So thank you everybody for joining us today. Today we have Kayla Corbett with us. She is the owner and founder of Operation Child Care. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Operation Child Care and how you, why you set it up and what pushed you to do that? Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me here. Um, so Operation Child Care was born because I needed it to exist and it didn't, um, which I think is a, a reason a lot of entrepreneurs uh, set out to do things. We are, I am a military family. So my spouse is active duty military and we move a lot. Uh, one of the things that we really rely heavily on to maintain employment and to make ends meet is non-traditional childcare. And, and that's because we have non-traditional schedules. Um, Military families are more likely to need care starting at 4 a.m. and sometimes going till 7, 8 p.m. or even overnight. Um, what happens frequently during our relocations, especially within the U.S., is we arrive at a, a new duty station and the wait list for child care centers are significant. Um, so what had happened during our re recent relocation here to, to Texas on orders it's happened at every duty station. This is not a unique story. Um, they had space for my older child at a daycare center, but not my younger child. Uh, the youngers are obviously harder to serve. And so I needed to find alternative childcare for my infant at the time for about eight months um, while I waited on that, that wait list to, to turn over. And I realized that no one filled that niche for military families. Mm -hmm. And it, it really is a niche because yes. there's a base access issue. There's a understanding the culture um, issue. You know, our plans are very much out of our control. Um, and so there's a flexibility that's required to work with military families that that you don't really find in, in more traditional nanny settings. And so I tried to find what I have. Um, I interviewed lots of nanny agencies. I tried to do it myself uh, mm -hmm. by my own nanny and that was exhausting. And eventually I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna create what I wish existed. Okay, fantastic. And I just want to do a big shout out to Nanny Yvonne who put us in touch. Mm -hmm. Nanny Yvonne was on Nanny 911. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have learned about your operation if I hadn't chatted with Yvonne. Uh, so thank you, Yvonne. Um, so I know you've shared a little bit about your background and your expertise, mm -hmm. but how do you um, how did you go about setting up your support organization for military families and what is, I mean, I understand what the scope is. The scope is to mm -hmm. find childcare for families who don't have it. Right. Um, so how, what other challenges do military families face? Yeah, great question. Um, so Operation Childcare started out with a really broad scope. So before Operation Childcare, when I first really started life in, in this military realm, which it, it's just really impossible to know what to expect until you're already in it. Yes. Um, I had no military affiliation whatsoever growing up. I didn't know military families, didn't grow up near a military base. Um, my entire knowledge centered around whatever commercials would come on during public TV. Um, so I very much did not understand how much 
is required of the family in these situations. I didn't have a family at the time. So when I went to our first duty station uh, with my spouse, that was the first time that I really got to see, you know, resources advertised by by the, the DOD and the military mm -hmm. um, for families and what they're actually able to access. And my background, uh, I had a background in nonprofit um, and my master's in forensic psychology, I, I was really studying um, efficacy, recidivism, things like that. And I very quickly realized that the only spouses who were able to maintain employment were those who didn't have children mm -hmm. or their children were older. So it, it was a socioeconomic issue. It was, you know, a mission readiness. It was a recruitment retention issue. It was a quality of life issue. Um, so I had started there just advocating uh, meeting with commands, trying to explain the data, the benefits. And that's what I had done for probably about seven years, um, seven or eight years before I started Operation Child Care. And so when I decided that, yeah, we need we need a nanny referral agency. We need something that is military, created by military, so created by people who understand what the issue is for that community. But we also needed a, a long-term solution, right? We needed something that would help affect policy, that would drive change, and that would really let our family stories be heard because nanny care is cost prohibitive. Yes. Um, military families are not known for having money. No. Um, <laughs> otherwise, we wouldn't have a discounted, you know, every store. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it was kind of a double-edged sword. Um, it was very much out of the capabilities of the families who we're most likely to have small children that need care, they can't access it. Um, so we, when I started Operation Childcare, I started it as a lot of things. I started as an advocacy organization. I started it as a nanny referral um, agency. I started it as a story collection, um, story and data collection. I created as well, the very first search portal. Um, so it's a public search portal in the Norfolk, uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia area. And it is the first tool for military families to, to look for childcare with every option they have. So, you know, it goes through all the subsidy options, um, tells them what they're eligible for, what they're likely to access, what their on-base and off-base options are. And then if it comes all the way down to it and there's just nothing left, uh, that's when they get referred into to the nanny agency, the, the Operation Child Care, to see if there's something we can meet there. And that's a lot for an organization, like yes. a single organization to do. <laughs> yes, it's a lot. <laughs> um, I just didn't have a team at the time. And essentially, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it at 100%. Mm -hmm. um, we've grown a lot since then and we've learned a lot of lessons. Um, so we've, we've tweaked the nanny agency quite a few times to, to meet what the needs are of, of the community that we're serving. Um, and I actually recently started a nonprofit as well. And so I've been able to shift pretty much all the advocacy, the data collection, the stories all, all over, which allows me really in operation childcare to just focus on the nanny piece, the non-traditional care need. Okay, fantastic. And so does Operation Child Care cover the whole of the United States as far as military families, or is it more dependent on a specific region? Yeah, so right now it is region specific. Um, that is not to say that it can't be in other locations. What we really need is the buy-in of the, of the local community. 
Um, because we contract only with military affiliated personnel to fill the roles as caregivers or nannies. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that could, it's kind of a broad topic, right? So yes. it doesn't need to be active duty military. It could be re reserves, retired, mm -hmm. um, family members, just someone who understands the lifestyle. So it does need to be near either a major veteran area or a major military population area uh, so that we're able to have both of those demographics. So both the people providing care and the people needing care. Okay. Thank you for answering that. It's a, it's a very interesting um, concept because I think, I mean, I was a nanny for a very long time and I, I, you know, you see the traditional nannies, you see maybe the nannies who are specialized in children with different abilities you see the nannies who maybe are specialized in live-in or other other little bits and pieces, but I've never heard of nannies who are specialized in military families. So it's interesting to, to find out about this. Um, and so how do child support organizations like your own, if there are any others that do other things, not place nannies, uh, how do they benefit military families and what programs or services can they offer to assist nannies, parents, and military personnel in providing a stable and nurturing environment for the children? Because obviously these children are going to be moved around from place to place. Yeah, yeah and unfortunately, it, it is kind of a hole. It, it's something that hasn't been filled. Um, there are many organizations, there's many nonprofits, there's many you know government organizations who are tasked with childcare access for military families and they make it a part of what they do, but mm -hmm. not their focus. And that, and therein kind of lies the issue um, because it's very easy to say, you know, here's a PDF of options for you. Mm -hmm. Call them. Yeah. There should be resources. Um, but without focusing on this as your, as your main mission, your main goal, mm -hmm. honestly, there really isn't any other organizations that do this. Um, it is, it is very much me and the team that I've built. Luckily with Operation Child Care Project, I do have a wonderful team um, coming together who all really recognize how like that access to quality, affordable childcare has such a significant impact on all of these lives, right? Yes. It, it's a long-term investment. Um, and that and that's kind of the, the piece that's hard to get across is that it, it's not something you're going to see an immediate impact from. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a long-term investment and you really need to look at what the trickle-down effect of not having this non-traditional yes. care is. And that, I know you said it, it's, you mentioned, you know, military specific nannies, right? It's yeah. like that niche piece. Um, it's really, it's really about those non-traditional hours, about expecting the unexpected, because um, we don't get heads up. I, I see quite, I mean, this will seem strange to you probably, but I see quite a few similarities with what you're saying with the nannies who work with like high profile and ultra high net worth families, mm. where it's very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be minding your own business, taking care of your children, and all of a sudden you have to pack because you're going on this trip that you didn't know anything about. And now you're supposed to work 24 hours for two weeks straight because that's what's required. So I see some similarities there. Yeah. Um, one question that comes to mind is what kind of characteristics and skills are you looking for in nannies to, to provide 
the services needed to the military families? Yeah, great question. Um, there, there is a, a big similarity there between <laughs> between the high profile. The difference being about probably a quarter of the income. Yes, um, which makes it a little trickier. Yes. Um, so yeah, the the qualities that we look for, and honestly, that we attract. Um, I don't know if you know this. This is just something kind of in the military realm. Is that military spouses are actually overeducated and underemployed. Um, so they have higher levels of um, education into graduate programs, mm-hmm. and they're more likely to be working, you know, entry level jobs um, to find something to meet to make those schedules. So what we don't even really have to search that hard. I have to say for nannies, um, they tend to to come in already with nursing degrees with um registered behavioral technicians, uh, ABA therapy certifications, just so many degrees, so much experience. And they're at a new duty station, Mm -hmm. which means that they now need to find all new employment. And a lot of our nannies, they work just for some kind of um, short-term contracts. That's that's what's most common with us Mm -hmm. is something between like three months to a year you would really only see the longer term ones if we have uh, service members with large families, right? Mm-hmm. So multiple children where it's more cost effective to to have a private nanny um, or your children with disabilities. So those who have really specific special needs and they're going to obviously have them long term. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we're really used as more of a stopgap measure in order to try to perpetuate employment. Um, Military spouses, when we relocate frequently, we do not get to keep our employment. Um, You have to start over again, which is why we're so heavily underemployed. Mm -hmm. And there's this catch-22 in military fee assistance for childcare, because the DOD will offer money towards... um, Childcare centers, and they even have a program called CCYH, Childcare in Your Home, where they offer a subsidy towards mm-hmm. a private nanny. The catch being that you have to be employed full time to oh. join the wait list. But how can you be employed full time if you can't have childcare? Childcare. <laughs> yes. So right. this this has been offering. What this does is offer them a bit of a, a loophole into that mm-hmm. because then they're able to to work as a nanny and have that full-time employment and then start their process in that wait list, which is the long wait list um, once you get on it. Mm. And then the hope is that by the time that it ends, things line up, um, they decide, okay, this is for me. This is what I want to do. Or I want to do something different. And either way, they're supported and it it, it supports the mission. It supports another family. Mm -hmm. It's a win. The DOD is supporting your this is probably controversial, <laughs> is supporting your um, operation childcare or do you feel that it's not being considered as, as important as everything else that is military related? I mean, I would certainly say it's a bit closer to the latter. Um, I brought this, you know, to various installations, leaders um, as an idea. I wanted to help. I wanted to offer a stopgap measure while longer term solutions are are being found. And it, you know, it's not a secret mm-hmm. that military families are struggling with childcare. You know, the general public struggles with childcare yes. access. 
um, military families are just disproportionately affected because we do not have a local support network. We mm -hmm. can't ask our aunt to watch our kids for a few months mm -hmm. while we get established. It, it just doesn't exist. Um, and we're less likely to have a dual income as families um, because of the relocation factors. And unfortunately, I think what's happened is that when I propose these things, when I say, you know, let, help me help you, um, it's seen as almost like a competition, even though it's, it's, it's really not the same mm -hmm. thing where I'm really just trying to fill this gap that happens in order to increase mission readiness and retention, um, which is, of course, the goal for the yes. DOD. So I, I do see, at least since I've made the nonprofit, I am seeing some more movement um, mm -hmm. towards recognizing that, you know, non-traditional care is something that has not been addressed within the military community. It, it's acknowledged that the vast majority of military families, child care centers do not work for us. Um, but solutions towards that front are a bit slower moving. Hmm. Question that I do have is, so if there were more, for example, childcare centers that were open 24 hours a day, would that help military families? I want to do a yes with an asterisk. Um, so <laughs> yes, there's, um, something called for the people who are not military, you know, familiar. Um, there's something called a CDC and, it, and it's not the Centers for Disease Control. It's a child development center. It's mm -hmm. the on-base child care centers. Um, they have, they used to have a lot more 24-hour capabilities mm -hmm. and they used to have a lot of uh, what they call drop-in care. Mm -hmm. So you didn't necessarily need to use it full-time. You could right. sign up and say, you know what, I have a doctor's appointment today. Drop, yeah. drop my children off um, so I can attend that. And it's dwindled, you know, they really struggled to keep staff um, at the CDCs, which was another piece of what I initially proposed was a pipeline, because mm -hmm. I do have very qualified nannies who could definitely transition into into federal employment. Um, but there's there's a staffing issue. The 24 hour centers have dwindled. There's not many left uh, across the United States. And the ones that do exist have such strict guidelines, so much mm -hmm. red tape to get into that families generally don't qualify. Um, you really have to fit this very tiny, tiny set of, of requirements to be able to get in. Um, and there's not a lot of information or advocacy to be mm -hmm. asking for exceptions to these policies. Um, so yes, 24-hour centers would be helpful um, when adequately adequately staffed um but they would really have to revise the way that they essentially kind of gatekeep access to those right um allow families to decide what's best for them and, and you know that's kind of our bottom line is we we trust families we believe the mm -hmm. families know what works best for their family right. yeah um and that's kind of a hurdle okay and do you do you have the same problem if you are a military family overseas oh candy um <laughs> sorry uh no you have a much larger issue um if you're a military family overseas so you know one of one of the things that we advocate for here in the continental united states and one thing that we're really building the data on is that most, if not all, issues that military families face are at their core childcare issues. Mm -hmm. um, so when we see 
these organizations, this funding, these nonprofits who are trying to tackle things like military spouse unemployment, right? It's mm-hmm. it's at, well, it's been between 20 and 30% for the last two decades. It just hasn't moved. Um, when they're trying to tackle things like food insecurity, um, one in four military families are food insecure. Uh, when they're trying to tackle things like housing insecurity, you would be surprised how many military families live in an RV because they can't afford the housing that's in the area that they're moving into. Mm. Um, mental health struggles. Uh, there is nothing like having no support and a newborn to to really push you. So with, they try to tackle these symptoms um, without really addressing that that core issue that is leading to them because it doesn't matter how many scholarship programs you create or how many yes. job fairs you host. If you don't have the childcare access to go to those, then there are wasted resources. Yeah. So those overseas, the only attention they really ever get is related to military spouse unemployment, which is very important, but it's very much the tip of the iceberg because we don't mm-hmm. have on-base centers, right? To, to fit the needs of everyone, especially because the on-base centers, they are given, the slots are given out in a priority. And if you're not dual military or a single service member, you're probably not going to get one. And by probably, I mean, you won't. Um, In addition to that, there is the employment hurdle. And that comes down to a whole host of tax issues, right? Mm -hmm. Are spouses allowed to work? Are they allowed to have an income? If so, what then needs to be taken away from them based on the status of forces agreement? Um, So that's a hurdle. And then if for some reason all the stars align and they get (laughs) employment, they're not going to be kicked off the base. They get to keep their housing. Um, Maybe they're working remote. The on-base childcare centers, so kind of our military family readiness, they don't have knowledge about off-base options. Mm. So it's really up to the families to navigate these these different cultures, these different languages, and figure out what can they do. Um, Sometimes it's wonderful, right? We were stationed in Italy for Mm -hmm. a few years, and I knew just a ton of families who loved using the local Nidos. Just the culture, the food, the the Montessori style really Mm -hmm. loved it. But you would have to have Italian language capabilities you would have to have um, an understanding that it's going to be different than what you're used to. Um, if you have any kind of anxiety about yep. who cares for your child, that would really be a struggle. Um, and then if you wanted that private nanny when you were overseas, yeah, that's an even bigger hurdle. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I, yeah. I, I really don't think we as a population in general think about all the different aspects involved with military families we you know there's a military okay you choose to join the military and off you go and nobody thinks about it yeah um and then and here's a here's a spicy um line that i use from time to time okay. and, it, and it's that uh you know no one joins the service in spite of their family but unfortunately the policy does not reflect that Mm-hmm. And as a result, here we are. Um, people, when you join, it's it's a it's a resource gaslighting. It's yeah. it's that they say something exists, and it does for some people. Um, 
it's just very difficult to access. It's very difficult to navigate. And there isn't much, if any, accountability or transparency in that mm -hmm. process. And so what happens is families start to think, well, it's me then. I'm the problem. I haven't figured it out. I can't do it. Right. And that's not true. It's not a moral failing. It's it's a resource gaslighting. All right. So what can we as a community do to raise awareness about these issues? Oh, oof. <laughs> honestly, um, the key driver that we're trying to do right now is around the way that we talk about childcare mm -hmm. and what we want to very firmly establish. And one of maybe the only good things to come out of this pandemic is the acknowledgement that childcare is infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Without childcare access, nothing else works. Um, right. No one works. Yeah. Things shut down. And we're still feeling the effects of that um, as childcare centers have become less available, as people are, are having more trouble putting food on the table. We are not accessing childcare in a way that benefits a young family. Mm -hmm. And it and it's hurting everybody. In childcare, I feel like historically, and I'm sure that you have knowledge on this, has been thought of as a privilege. Yes. Um, especially nanny care. Nanny care is the ultimate privilege. It is very expensive. Yeah. And it and it's a very tailored. Unfortunately, nanny care is the only thing that military families can use as their non-traditional care. Mm -hmm. um, there are no other options available. So the more that we acknowledge childcare's infrastructure and not privilege. This is something that is inherent. This is something that is a given as much as a road or a building or a stoplight. Yes. The more we'll see a shift in policy um, because you, no one can pretend this doesn't exist forever. Uh, exactly. It has to change. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, that that's great. So thank you very much for your time. It was fantastic yeah. to learn about Operation Childcare and everything that you shared with us. And if um, anybody wants to reach out to you or contact you, how can they do that? I will then link it in the description. Yeah, of course. Um, so it really depends on what they need, right? Yeah. Um, I can be reached at any point in time um, through my personal email. You can email me um, through my nonprofit. It's going to be Kayla at OCCproject.org. Um, and that's my personal inbox. So I can answer anything that way. Uh, alternatively, if you are a family needing help, if you're a military family needing assistance, whether that's nanny care, navigating what childcare looks like for you, um, or just advocacy, you just want to share your story, our website, the nonprofit website has um, an intake on it. And so someone on our team, it'll most likely be me who initially reaches out, will we'll, um, circle back as soon as possible to, to help you because that is something that we do as case management. And if you're looking for a nanny in particular, you already know what you want. You already know what you want to do. I have a, I have a network of resources for that. So even if OCC is not currently operating in that particular location, um, we have I have other resources who are operating all across the United States to, to help with that. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for being here.